Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means today I was out in Ashburn, the final day of practice for the media to watch the entire practice. Starting next week, we're back to the usual deal where we only see about 15 minutes or so. So today, Cap, more or less for us, the end of training camp, and I thought I would do a quick review of the positions and then give some thoughts about what may happen tomorrow. Or actually, let me rephrase that. I'm talking to you on Thursday on Saturday in Baltimore for the preseason finale. In addition, I didn't mention this the other day on the podcast, but the commanders announced this week that they will be retiring Sonny Jurgensen's number nine Jersey uh, to discuss Sonny Jurgensen in proper context. Rick Snyder, longtime sports writer in town, does some work now for 106.7 The Fan and has his own YouTube channel. Rick joined me uh, to go through the Sonny legacy and discuss not just Sonny, but what's next. Are they going to retire other numbers? If so, who would be in line and so on. So we'll get to all that here in just a moment. Of course, if you got a quick second, if you're not already subscribing, I appreciate the fact if you do that on iTunes or Spotify, or of course, if you really subscribe to the athletic app, you get the podcast commercial free as well as get a chance to read everything we have on there. If you have a moment to drop a rating and review, definitely appreciate that. And of course, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at Ben Standig. Um, I will... right, and I just want to mention, I have a, a new article up on the athletic on Thursday that I was a, months-long project for me. It was an idea that I had a long time ago, and I executed it, and basically it was this. All of us, or many of us, I should say, have a career dream to some degree. Maybe it is completely out of out of reach, not realistic, but it exists. And some people do ha- have the opportunity to live out their dream, athletes being an obvious example. But even the rest of us, when we do it, we're not doing it in broad daylight, these guys are. And so my question that I asked them from Ron Rivera, Terry McLaurin, Jonathan Allen, Chase Young, Jahan Dotson, and others, what's it like to chase and live out that dream in broad daylight where everyone can witness your highs and lows? I'm really happy with the way it came out. If you have a moment, I appreciate you taking a look at it. And uh, yeah, it was a good one. I, I really had fun uh, doing this over time, and it was got some good candid and thoughtful responses from the guys. All right, let's get to uh, the sort of put the bow on training camp and then look ahead to the Ravens game simultaneously. We'll go through the position groups here with quarterback. I think what stood out to me the most over this last month, you know, you got to say Carson Wentz. The commanders have upgraded at quarterback, but let's not let's just not let's dispel any other notion out there. Carson Wentz is, you know, the arm strength. The, the, the ability to get the ball down the field 
should be pretty significant for this offense. It's, at a bare minimum, it just opens up Scott Turner's playbook to pages that were just, you know, not not cracked last year. Um, and probably not in, since maybe not even since Scott Turner has been here, considering the cavalcade of sort of, you know, random quarterbacks that have, that have come through. Yes, we've talked plenty about Carson Wentz's, uh, you know, the limitations. We, we get all that. Um, and we'll see what happens with things like the locker room stuff. I, I, having talked to Carson Wentz at this point, I've been impressed with who he is. He seems like a really nice guy. What happens in the heat of the moment? I guess there's something to perhaps be said to that based on what happened in Philly and Indy. But all that said, on the field, Carson Wentz to me is definitely an upgrade. Does that upgrade mean they're going to the Super Bowl? No, I, I don't think so. Does it mean they're winning the NFC East? I mean, I, I probably not. But look, I mean, Dallas just lost Tyron Smith to a significant injury uh, just yesterday. And, you know, that, that that's the type of injury that could knock Dallas uh, down a, a, a peg. So we'll see. But regardless, the commanders have upgraded a quarterback. I think that's a pretty easy statement to make. Beyond that, we'll just have to see what Carson Wentz does this year. Obviously, a lot more to come on him in the days ahead. As far as this game against the Ravens, we've asked Ron Rivera the last two days whether the starters will play, and he's been very coy about it. Today, the response, well, on, on Wednesday, the response was very limited was his quote. Today, the response was very, very, very limited, end quote. Um, I don't know. I mean, to me, I would play Carson Wentz and the offense, at least a series. That may not sound like much, but otherwise you're they won't have played for three weeks. I, apparently, Tom Brady is playing this week for the Bucs. I, I just, I would like to get the guys in there. Obviously, we'll see. We'll get to the offensive line. And we'll, that will be a factor in, in whatever happens here, even for, in my case, we'll see. Ron Rivera did not play the starters last year. He seems like he's suggesting that he could be, follow that plan again, but we will see on that. Running back, I think without question, the most positive aspect um, for this position, maybe for the all of camp, was watching Brian Robinson. Just really Im- I- uh, impressive to watch. Just I've, I keep using the word decisive. Maybe I got to pull out the thesaurus and figure out something else. But that's just always what I see when I'm watching him. Shoulders parallel to the line of scrimmage. He's looking forward. He runs hard. You know, gets yards even when the play is bottled up. Uh, I think it's pretty clear he's going to be the RB one. Now, somebody asked me the other day, is he the is he is he RB one? And I asked, what is the definition of that? And they said takes the first snap in the game. Or you know he's on the field for the first snap. I, I I don't even know what to make of that. I mean there were games last year where J, J D McKissick was the first running back. But in terms of to me the early down stuff, you know the the you know probably goal line, you know the lead back, the the actual running back, not the not the guy that's catching passes out of the backfield, the running back. I think Brian Robinson is that guy. Now you know. As good as he has looked so far, we'll have to get into the season and and see what happens. But I've been really impressed with what he does, and I just think it's going to be such a good uh, fit to have a, a running back who's going to help you avoid taking losses on first and second down to give Carson Wentz the best chance he can with you know having you know second and, and, and medium and third and short and that type of deal. So uh, Brad Robinson to me has really been impressive, and I look forward to watching him this year as for 
this game. You know, I think one roster question is, does Jonathan Williams and perhaps Jared Patterson, but I think Williams to me would be the fourth running back. Can they make this team? Uh, a, a lot will probably come down to whether they keep, you know, six running back or six wide receivers, four tight ends, 10 defensive uh, linemen, et cetera. I think Jonathan Williams has done, had a pretty good camp. He has been banged up the last several days. Um, I would like to think that they think he's they they want to figure out a way to keep him on the roster, but we'll see if they can make that happen. Uh, wide receiver, you know, Jahan Dotson's been so quality from the start, from the moment he got here. Basically, that we almost kind of forget that the first round pick rookie um, is still a rookie. Now we fell into this trap last year. And I admit I did with Deami Brown because Deami Brown looked like he had a really good camp. And then it just completely fell apart during the season. He never got going. So it's a little, you know, there's some trepidation to see what Jahan Dotson does when the game's turned real. He, um, you know, he's not the biggest of guys, but we talk about that catch radius. He and Carson Wentz have had a pretty good ke- pretty good chemistry, I felt, throughout. Uh, really crisp route runner, good hands. I've been impressed with Dotson. So I, I'm... A believer, we will, uh, you know, be, it'll be really interesting to see what he does. If you are a Twitter person and you have not read up on Jahan Dodson, my pin tweet is from uh, earlier this summer. Where I spoke to Dodson out at uh, back in OTAs and, and sort of his evolution from a little kid in New Jersey to being an NFL player. And, uh, you know, I talked to some people along the way as well about who he is. So you can go check that out. As for this game. Now, Cam Sims, I think, probably would have played normally, but he's been in the concussion protocol the last couple of days. I don't know how serious that is, but, you know, he's not going to play in this game for sure. I would, unless the the starting offense is is out there, you're not going to see Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel. So, you know, we're looking at basically a lot of Deami Brown, who has been, you know, an underwhel- has had an underwhelming camp. But then the real question will be, you know, six receiver, Dax Milne, Alex Erickson, could a Mark and Michelle sneak in there? You know, I think Dax Milne to me feels pretty, pretty good about him as the um, six receiver slash punt returner. Uh, the other day, Ron Rivera was asked any young players that have stood out to him in camp. Dax Milne was one of the very short list of players he mentioned. So to me, you know, look, I mean, Rivera has said just this week, that this game can change things. If that's true, then Dax Milne needs to be on his P's and Q's. Uh, speaking of Dax Milne, there will be a story up on Friday. I spoke with him about his camp, as well as some of the other guys who were on the bubble, including Jeremy Reeves. Um, so you can check that out. Uh, I think Milne's look pretty good as a receiver. His, he really catches, it feels like, almost everything that's kind of throws thrown his way. Um Ironically, I think he's the second, if he makes the roster, he'll be the second tallest receiver at 6'1 behind Cam Sims. Uh, so there's that. But look, Alex Erickson has had done some good things in camp as a receiver in particular. Um, we'll talk more about special teams in a minute, but that's what I think is interesting there. Uh, Kyrick McGowan, who has been part of the punt returner mix, he's been uh, on the side field the last couple of days with an injury. Uh, he's the kind of guy that I could see going on practice squad or, you know, maybe IR and you see where you are in a year, but you know, uh, somebody else there. Let me speed through uh, tight end. Armani Rogers is the answer to the question of who's been interesting. And also this game, uh, because 
Logan Thomas is back, but he's, still, he's only done seven-on-seven seven drills at this point. No Cole Turner, no John Bates. We'll have to see when they get back. Uh, Kendall Blanton, who they picked up off, off uh, waivers this week from the Rams, he caught five passes in the NFC Championship game last year. He's got a real shot to make this team at a minimum because of these other injuries. Until we know when these other guys are getting back, you know, we've got to, um, you know, we don't know who, who's going to be available. But Armani Rodgers, to me, has looked like a guy who will make this roster, barring the unforeseen here. Offensive line. So uh, Andrew Norwell and Wes Schweitzer were back at practice this week. We did have a Trey Turner sighting over the last couple of days. He was out there with. Uh, his uh, fellow offensive lineman. Today he did some actual individual drills. We don't really know from Ron Rivera yet the four, you know, what happens from there. Um, I, you know, it's possible none of these guards play in this game, and to me that could, you know, be the reason you keep Carson Wentz out. It, the guard situation, just sort of the injuries and where some of these guys in their career, you know, to me is a little bit nerve wracking from the perspective of this team. I get it. John Matsko is you know, one of the best offensive line coaches, and, and it seems like he's able to get guys going no matter what. But at the same time, that's a question for me. As far as this game, you've got, you know, I feel like eight of the offensive line spots seem to be pretty much intact. That's the obvious five, or not the obvious, but that's the projected five starters, plus Schweitzer, plus Sadiq Charles, plus Cornelius Lucas. The last spot, Chris Paul. The seventh round pick would be my candidate, but Keith Ishmael would be there. They did pick up Wes Martin. Yes, Wes Martin, that one, this week on waivers. Ishmael has not practiced the last couple of days, so I doubt he would play this week, but that's somebody else who would be in that mix if they're you know, for a ninth spot if they keep the nine. All right, let's go to the defense. Um, Montez Sweat, to me, was the defensive lineman of note throughout camp. Now, not necessarily completely in a positive ways. When he was on his game, he was a he was a he was a force. He was easily the best player in those in those moments, probably on the defense, if not on the team, really getting after Carson Wentz. And he really started off strong in camp and has had some good days since. But it feels like it's a little bit up and down, even in the preseason games. He was kind of quiet in the Carolina game, really showed out against Kansas City. They're going to need the consistent version of him throughout this season especially early on without Chase Young. So Montez Sweat is, you know, I, I was impressed with what I saw, but at the same point, the consistency is something that I think is we still want to see a bit more of. As for this game, so with Chase Young going on IR, or excuse me, he going on the pup list, meaning he'll miss the first four games, there is a chance now that they could keep Shaka Tony and William Bradley King and, and have 10 defensive lineman. I think that makes a lot of sense to me. You got a few lottery tickets there as pass rushers. These two guys, uh, James Smith Williams, Casey Tuhill, F.A. Obata. See what you can get out of that, you know, over the next few weeks. Justin Hamilton, the defensive tackle, would be another guy, though, if they could potentially keep. I think Daniel Wise feels pretty good as the uh, defensive tackle number four. But, you know, he can also play outside, then maybe they decide they want more size. But, you know, I have William Bradley King over Shaka Tony, but that's 51-49. Others would disagree with me, but I, I think that will be a fun uh, watch there. Uh, linebacker, well, there's only so many guys to even discuss. Uh, Jamin Davis, 
you know, I don't, I don't need to rehash a lot of things I've said previously, but he has shown some positive signs. Um, you know, I, I'm intrigued to see how they use him in the pass rush. It feels like, again, when he's closer to the line of scrimmage and attacking, that seems where he's at his best. I doubt he's going to play in this game unless, um, you know, it is like a series. Um, so there's still hope there, but is it, is it enough to sort of justify at this point the 19th pick in the draft? I don't know if we're there yet, but it's a good sign that we we can at least wait and see. Uh, from there, in terms of this game, I, you know, they only have four linebackers right now that I would say you'd feel pretty comfortable keeping. Uh, they did this last year where they, they cut David Mayo on cutdown day, then brought him back as the fifth guy. That, to me, would seem to be the likely scenario again if Milo Eifler or Trey Walker or someone else has a really impressive game against the Ravens, I guess there's a world where you don't want to risk losing them, but I really doubt that. So to me, they're probably keep the keep four with Khalid Cuts and David Mayo as the backups. Watch the waiver wire, see who gets released next week on Tuesday. I guess I didn't say that at the top. On Tuesday, they have to get down to 53. Well, we'll see. That 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 would be my assumption uh, there. Let's go to the secondary. I think Kendall Fuller, to me, was probably the MVP of camp. He had a pick six today on Carson Wentz in in uh, in an early 11-on-11. 11 11. Uh, he's just been really sharp, I thought, throughout this um, summer, and I'm really excited to see what what he does when he's going up against you know some of the better receivers in the league. Uh, you know, I think their secondary in general, the starting secondary, was really good. I, that third down defense the other night against Kansas City – you know, a lot of the times Mahomes was waiting in the pocket. It was because he couldn't find anybody open. So kudos to that top group. But of course, the questions are who's going to be the, the, the who's going to take those depth spots and will it be good enough? Sort of the ninth through potentially eleventh uh, defensive backs. You've got Corn Elder, Christian Holmes on the at corner, uh, Jeremy Reeves. Uh, Stephen Parker at safety. You know, those are some of the names to keep an eye on here. I don't know you can keep more than uh, two of them, maybe three. But, um, you know, if you're going to only keep 10, you, you kind of have one corner, maybe one safety there. I really don't know what to say. I, mean, I think Elder would be my guess as the corner over Holmes, but Holmes was their draft pick. The par- It feels like Parker's made some really big strides over the last few weeks. But, man, is Jeremy Reeves so easily to root for. You know, you wish the best for him. Lastly, special teams. They have obviously struggled in, in getting uh, with blocking for kick returns. Let's see what the who, how, how that improves. And so much of the last roster spots are determined based on special teams. And you don't always know how that's going to go. So I think special teams on some levels can be a really important position to watch. Now, one... I don't know if Antonio Gibson will be playing in this game or not. But today, Ron Rivera asked if Antonio Gibson is the top kick returner going into the season. He said, quote, I think you still need to see some more stuff. But, you know, I think he is. I do. I think he's done a nice job, end quote. Gibson's only been, you know, returning kicks a little bit the last few days. He obviously has tremendous potential in that role. But he's also in that situation because of the fact that Brian Robinson has emerged. So, um, you know, how you know if Gibson can legitimately turn into a weapon 
on kick returns. That would be a huge deal for field position. Now, I understand field, uh, kickers often just shoot the ball out of the end zone, so none of this may matter. But nonetheless, you know, the, Gibson would give them a, a, a significant playmaker back there. And, you know, he's still going to be a threat as a receiver out of the backfield. He'll still get some carries. But, you know, it feels like Brian Robinson, as we discussed, it's, he is uh, looking like the lead back with J.D. McKissick, of course, doing his thing as well. Um, all right, well, we'll see what happens tomorrow. The Ravens have this crazy, what, 21-game winning streak in the preseason. Absolutely b- the, one of the most bizarre streaks ever. Kudos to that organization for setting a standard that they make even the back end of the roster or guys who won't make the team uh, live up to. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's been luck along the way, but that's something, obviously, uh, for sure. Uh, I will be at Raven Stadium. I, I guess I should have said that as well. I will be there for the game, and we'll, we'll have coverage after the game uh, as well. And then, of course, on Tuesday, cuts down, cuts to 53 players. Uh, I'll be all over that, of course, as well. All right, let's get to my conversation with Rick Snyder. We spoke uh, over the phone the other day. I was at practice. Uh, got into Sonny Jurgensen, an icon in these parts. Having his number retired makes total sense. What took so long? Rick and I discussed that and a lot more. We'll get to that right now here on the Standard Groom Only Podcast. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, joining the podcast as promised, he is, of course, a long-time reporter, observer of these Washington teams and whatever name they were called, and I wanted to bring in somebody to give a proper uh Thoughts on Sonny Jurgensen having his number retired. Joining us here is Rick Snyder. And uh, Rick, I appreciate you giving us more than just two minutes here uh, with us on the podcast. Hey, you sound like my wife, but okay. (laughs) Okay, wow, okay. Um, Well, before before we get to the Sonny thing, you you obviously do a lot of stuff on on YouTube. Tell everybody kind of what what you're doing over there so people can kind of know where to find you. 
Well, I'm a 44-year veteran in media, but I, you know, I still write some for 106.7 The Fan. But I decided to start a YouTube channel about a year ago. Amazing response. I, I post two, three times a day, mostly commanders, but it's Rick Snyder's Washington. So I, I do local stuff, too. Like today, I did something on the War of 1812, which is the anniversary today when they came and burned down Washington. So, I, you know, I do some stuff. I did Old Redskin Park uh, the other day and, you know, that kind of thing. So it's a little, you know, slice of Washington overall. And the second year, we're on track for like 7 million views. So I don't know what this is about. Maybe my destiny was in uh, video instead of print. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad, I'm, glad it, I'm glad it's working out. And, and uh, sure. you know, when you do the videos – even outside of the team, because you are a, a guy who knows this area, you're a tour guide, very interesting stuff. And your sense of history, along with football, kind of per- works perfectly here, because that's what we're talking about, of course, with the announcement that uh, they're going to retire. Sonny Jurgensen's at number nine. My my first thought when when they announced this was, what, <laughs> what took so long? I mean, not every organization retires every number, but if you're going to do it here, clearly this is one you would do. I guess we can just say, hey, it's better late than never. But at the same point, I was like, wow, it's almost shocking that this hasn't happened. Because even though I never saw Sonny Jurgensen play, he has been in my life the whole time as obviously an announcer on the on the radio, as an analyst on the radio broadcast. He, I remember him first as a, with, with Glenn Brenner years ago on the Redskins sidelines uh, show that was like you know a pre preview of the game each week. Then he's with George Michael for years. It's just hard to believe that this hasn't happened already. Yeah, I would say Sonny is the most beloved Redskin player. And and with Gibbs, which one is more popular near Gibbs? I don't know. That's tough, too. But but he's by far it. I think what happened on the numbers is they only did Sammy Ball. And they and nobody was getting off of that for years and years. And the old equipment manager used to just withhold numbers of several players. Right. He would never give them out. So they just kind of did it. And then when Sean Taylor died, they decided to honor him a year or two ago. Um, you know, they, they retired his number. And then suddenly you're saying, well, if you're going to do this one, what about? It? So Bobby Mitchell dies, and there's one right away they decide to do. Uh, deservedly. And then now it's kind of like, okay, I guess you're going to start retiring some numbers. Who's first? Sonny. Uh, Sonny has to be the first one. Uh, I'm glad he, you know, he's 88 years old. I'm glad he's here to see this. Uh, and there's a handful more that I've written about that, that they could go. But you don't want to do too many because, one, you don't have the latitude with the numbers and roster size and all. And, two, you know, once you get past legends, there's a whole lot of really good players. But I don't think you retire players that are really good. You retire legends only. And I think, uh, for me, Daryl Green, Art Monk, and John Riggins would be the next three. I I, was, I couldn't agree more. Uh, those would be the ones – that, that stand out to me um, with, with, without doubt. Um, you, you talked about that he was Sonny was the most beloved Redskin. He, they didn't win a Super Bowl in his era. Um, they weren't even always necessarily a good team at, at, at times. He sometimes wasn't even the starter because you had the Billy Kilmer thing. Yet he obviously, for his era, he's a Hall of Famer. For his era, he's considered one of the best passers. But when, but when you talk about the reason he, that he was the most beloved, how much of it do you think is the play and how much of it is what happened after his career that he was in so many of our lives as an analyst in, on radio and TV? Well, certainly be both. But, I mean, Sonny came in 64 to trade. Uh, they traded their first-round pick uh, from three years before, Norm Snead, a quarterback, who had a decent career in Philly. 
but they got Sonny, and this team hadn't been any good for 10 years. They've been awful. And Sonny, Sonny's team, they, they didn't necessarily win, but they scored a lot of points. At one time, there was a one season where Sonny threw 3,000 yards in 14 games, uh, 30 touchdowns, and three of the top four receiving yardage leaders in the league were Redskins. You know, they had like one, three, four. You know, he had great players around him, too, with Charlie Taylor and Larry Brown. And there's, you know, it was an exciting thing. And so Lombardi comes in 69. They finally get a winning year. And Allen comes. And Allen doesn't really like Sonny. He wants his own veteran. You know, it's that classic coach wants his own guy. <laughs> right. But Billy. And, and he thought that would break things up. But actually, Billy and Sonny became really tight. And <clears throat> to the point where everybody had these bumper stickers back then. Uh, I like Sonny or I like Billy. And the two of them would drive around the Beltway, the old Beltway back then, and they'd look for cars with them. And if they saw it said, I like Billy, they'd pull alongside where Sonny was there and Sonny would flip the guy off. And then if they saw I like Sonny, they'd do it with Billy flipping the guy off. That's a craziness (laughs) that went on with these guys. And they just had a hell of a good time. And then they teamed up against Theismann because he walked in and said, hey, old man, I'm going to put you on the bench. And, you know, so they said, well, okay, kid, take, you know, we'll see. And so they, they really, you know, rallied about that. And then when Sonny retires, he becomes an analyst. And, you know, he's really good. I mean, I don't know how much you talk to Sonny, but I would see Sonny sometimes, and he would, I'd say, what do you think about this? And he could say it in a sentence. Did you see this? And he, it spoke volumes about, you know, he could quit, you know, just teach me so much about football. Uh, I was lucky that up at Frostburg, he and I had lunch every day for like six weeks. We'd sit together. I'd be his agent. I'd move the fans away from him. Sonny will sign at <laughs> this time. You know, I used to do that, stuff like that. But if Sonny was my hero growing up. I mean, the big perk of covering this team, I grew up in Washington, is I got to meet all these guys and get to know them, Sonny and Sam and, you know, all of them. So it was, you know, it was a lot of fun for me to hang out with Sonny. But Sonny could explain stuff so much. And he and Sam Huff, you know, were great on the radio because Sam was defense and they could play with each other and have fun. They win three Super Bowls. This team is broadcasting it. And, and you know, before the days of all this Internet and everything, we used to watch stuff. And and they just – everybody loved them. And and that's why Sonny became such a beloved character. So, so did Sam, but uh, – and Frank Herzog was awesome too with them. And, and so it just kind of – it was such a long time in our lives. I mean, Sonny was – from 64 to just a few years ago. So almost 50 years together, you know, I mean, so fans, fans, you know, love them. And you just wonder why did it take so long? But that's because they were, they just weren't doing this, but now they'll market it. And the question someone brought up today was, what jersey are they going to have at the ceremony? You know, because this team is desperate to get away from Redskins, but you can't put a commander's jersey there. That would really cause a riot. So I'll be interested to see what they do. No, that that is a great point. Whether yeah, him and, and all the other ones we mentioned, Green, Riggins, et cetera, like yeah, all that is going to be an interesting uh, tightrope for these guys uh, for this organization to uh, to walk. But 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 to your point, like you know, when I was a kid, and that was an era where you listened to the local radio while watching the game. Like that was almost maybe it wasn't the the, the preference per se, but like it was. A very uh, it was a thing that people did in ways I just don't think you hear about nearly as much. I'm not talking about this current broadcast, but I just mean in general. I don't you don't hear that often, too often. But Sonny and Sam, I remember as a kid, 
was learning so much, and Sonny in particular, um, just he did really seem to have a feel for what was happening. And you know, look, he obviously was around the team, and he probably had a, 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 an actual feel for the game plan or whatever. But at the same point, he did. It, there was an education. There it wasn't just it, it was not shtick. It was like actually explaining what was happening. And he clearly wanted them to win, but it, 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 it was more than just that. It was a, a guy who had this experience telling you, "Here's what you should consider. Here's what's happening," and, and so on. I tell you the classic thing was the post game locker room interview between Sonny and Jim Zorn. Sonny would eviscerate Joe Zorn, and Zorn would get mad. But it's kind of hard to argue because one, Sonny was right, and two, Sonny's a Hall of Famer. And Sonny, you know, the swinging gate thing—I thought they were going to come to blows over that thing. But Sonny would go, "Why did you do this? Why did you do this?" Because they always fail. And you know, but Sonny was right. So. <laughs> You know, that was classic theater to watch that because Zorn just hated Sonny uh, because he didn't like being shown up like that. But, you know, after that six and three start, there wasn't much left for Zorn. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's, it's, it's a good point. Um, what um, for, for people who never had the chance to see him play? Uh, you mentioned some of the stats like he had some pretty prolific numbers in an era that's not like now where it's constantly throwing is there sort of a, I don't know if, if, if it's fair to say is there a quarterback like today that reminds you of him but like what kind of a quarterback was he uh, out there well Sonny's mobility wasn't the greatest <laughs> he was a little heavy you know for his time I mean you know today everybody's you know got six-pack abs but Sonny Sonny had a beer with Billy a lot so <laughs> yeah he carried an, carried an extra 10 or 20 I mean Sam if Sam wanted to get Sonny mad he would say the only time Sonny was ever in shape was the year Lombardi was here. Man, Sonny would roll his eyes at Sam when he said that, but it was kind of true. I mean, Sonny had a few extra pounds. So he kind of lumbered around. He was very good at coming out of the pocket and looking for things, but he didn't do it like, say, a Heineke who's running full speed. He'd kind of wander over there and do it. He could make any throw. That, that wasn't it. I mean, some, people have seen the video. Sonny could throw behind-the-back pass. And he could throw a frozen rope like 40 yards behind his back. Now, I never did that in a game, but he would do it for fun. I saw him doing it when we were in Osaka in 2002. Uh, he was doing it on the field to show people. It's like he was in the 60s at that point. Could still do it. And, and when Dan Snyder used to bring his corporate, you know, people around, you know, the sponsors, they always wanted to have Sonny throw them a pass. <laughs> So they could say, I call a pass from Sonny. And they figured Sonny would just float one to him. Sonny would hated doing this, but he wouldn't do it, but he wouldn't say anything. So he said, okay, go run out. And Sonny, even in the sixties could pinpoint it just an inch or two off their fingers. And he would make these guys run like 10 different times, trying to catch that ball just for fun, you know, just to torment these guys, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, it was, but he had that granite kind of accuracy, even at that age. Uh, you know, Sonny probably could have last, well, he lasted almost 20 years, I guess, in the league. So, you know, he didn't go away with when Allen, because Allen knew he could use him now and then. And Billy would get hurt, too. But it was just a different era. He could spot guys. That was probably his biggest thing, his intelligence on the field. He could see everybody on the field, and he could make any kind of throw. And he could come back. And he, there were times he had to be the reliever for Billy. He could come in. I remember once he threw three touchdowns and won the game. Um, you know, you knew, okay, Sonny's on the field. Here we go. The only time he ever didn't, he got benched by the owner, George Preston Marshall. And uh, they're down like 35 nothing. 
and the owner calls down to Sonny to go in the game, and Sonny tells him, I don't have five touchdowns in my pocket hung up. <laughs> it didn't play. So, That's amazing. Yeah, Sonny didn't take no crap. He didn't take any crap on George Preston Marshall. <laughs> that 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 that's amazing. Um, let, let me let me just get you out here on this. You mentioned, and I agree, the names of the people who should be honored um, for Jersey retirements, and it's a short list. But even if we're just talking about popular players, fan favorites, like obviously people love Terry McLaurin today and John Allen and Chase Young, but it is a little bit different than the historical historic aspect of this team. And, and it's not I, these guys are still doing their thing. But if you look over the last 20 years, you know, um, uh, since the Super Bowl era, et cetera, there's just not a lot of guys who have been that even close to being that beloved. Like Ryan Kerrigan just retired. Obviously people appreciated his career, but it's not the same type of deal. Um, Like even I can remember this aspect. It is just so unique. We're not unique, but it's just so odd to see how these guys come through. And it's just, it just does not have the same joy uh, at least from the way I see it, for the fans to the players, the way you're talking about with Sonny being as popular as he was and Riggins and Daryl Green, et cetera. And I know a lot of that's winning, but it just I, I keep waiting for this. Who is the guy that's going to be the next guy to be that level of, of fan favorite? And I don't know if it can happen anymore because Sonny's era and those guys mostly played before free agency. And so they were with the team much longer normally than guys are now. You know, they kind of come and go. The mercenaries, they're all, if you ask players now, they're all NFL players. You know, you look at them on the field helping each other up and stuff. They're NFL brotherhood because they know with free agency they might be bouncing around. It wasn't that way in the past. You know, that that was a blood feud between the Cowboys and the Redskins uh, on that. And and when Norv Turner came, there were many a fan that asked me, they thought that Norv was a Cowboy plant, you know, to ruin this franchise. Think how crazy that is. So that's how the paranoia went. So the old days, people really hung in with them much longer uh, than they do now. I mean, I'd be afraid to buy a jersey now. You know, they're going to be gone. Uh, how many times do people get burned like that? So it's, I don't know that they have a guy on the roster. Maybe Terry, if Terry plays 10 years here or something. Uh, you know, LeVar was a really good favorite, but, he, you know, he got hurt and didn't last. You know, the injuries have seemed to be much worse nowadays. Because uh, they play, they're bigger, stronger, hit each other more, and a few more games. So the careers aren't quite the same either. But, you know, I think people love the 70s because it was really finally winning again. And the, the uh, baseball team left town after 71. So the Redskins were the big show in town, really. And they, you know, they they became good, and that's why everybody just loved them so much. And now we have a baseball team, but they stink. But, you know, it's – uh you know, I think they captured the market at the right time before even baseball came back. You know, the other teams, the Caps is a niche thing, the Wiz, they were good in the 70s, but not since. Uh, so, you know, that's why people love this team, the Over the Hill Gang, a bunch of, you know, older guys. They were, they, they were winning playoffs seven straight years, and then Gibbs took them to a new height, and there wasn't competition against it. So, uh, and the town was smaller back then, too. You know, the town's almost doubled in size since 9-11. So you have a lot of outsiders here. 5% of the city residents are from New York City now. So, you know, they're other fans. Uh, so it's a different world on that level, too. So I don't know that we'll ever have that. But you know what? Go win a Super Bowl and there'll be people <laughs> at the parade. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Go follow Rick on Twitter at Snide underscore remarks. Go, go check him out 
on YouTube at Rick Snyder's Washington. Uh, Rick, greatly appreciate it. Appreciate the, uh, the thoughts on Sonny. And yeah, we'll, uh, the next curiosity will be who comes up next and when that happens. And uh, we'll see. Thanks, man. I'll see you out here soon. All right. Thanks for having me. This is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories and pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.